as we get started, I'd just like to say a quick prayer over the word today. So God, we thank you that you are here in our midst. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. We invite you to uh, bring us a revelation of the word that we're studying today. Father, your word is truth. Your word is life. It is a lamp. It is a light. God, it is our strength. And so we just invite you to do what you will do in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are coming to the end of a study in the book of Ephesians on spiritual warfare. And we've been talking about our spiritual armor. And so today I get to tackle Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the second part. So Lindsay did the first part last week. But that verse says that we should take up the shield. Oh, I'm sorry. It says take up the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith, which is the word of God. So we're going to tackle, so Lindsay tackled the helmet of salvation last week. You need to go back and watch that. But this week we're going to tackle the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I believe that this is a timely word. I mean, timely meaning timely for this season, but I also mean timely for this week. And I'm going to unpack this. When I, when I looked at this word, I usually start asking questions. I was the kid that asked questions. Why are there three red cars? Why are those cars going the same way we were? Why do we have to get in the car and go to the store? Why are we going to that start? So I was that kid, right? And so I started asking questions. So um, why do we have to take it up and what does that mean? Why is it a sword? Why is it the sword of the spirit and not the sword of, I don't know, anything else? There's some famous swords, right? Excalibur. There's a, so why is it the sword of the spirit? And what does it actually mean when it says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God? And you go, oh, yeah, 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 amen. And you walk away and you go, I don't, I don't know what that actually means right now. And so I'm going to try to tackle all those questions in our time together. And so here we go. Let's start. So it says take up. I just want to start with the first two words. You should take up. Now, here's an interesting fact. The first three pieces of armor, the words for what we're supposed to do with that, it means that we are supposed to all the time have them on. Like they are supposed to become one with us. That is a 24-7. You should have that belt on. You should have that breastplate of righteousness. You should have those shoes of the gospel 24-7 all the time, keep it on. The next three were a different word. And that word in the Greek, it actually meant to pick up as needed. Totally different. It's a totally different word, which tells me that there are going to be times in our life where we are going to need to pick up a sword and use it. That we are going to need to put on a helmet, that we are going to need a shield of faith. And so that word pick up is pick up as needed. We're not walking around with the sword all the time, just slicing and dicing everything in our way. We are going to pick up as needed, which tells me that this is personal. Now, the sword, when I, I don't know, for years, this was kind of a new revelation to me, for years, I kept thinking of the sword as the knight in shining armor. You know, that big sword that you wield. That's a good word. You wield the sword. And it's a big five-foot thing. And you're, you know, 
on guard, you're doing that stuff. And, and kind of like you used to do with those uh, old wrapping paper tubes with your sister. If my sister's watching, I think I was better. But we used to, you know, you get those wrapping paper tubes and, you, you know, you're fighting like that. But that's actually not what this word is. So in the Greek, there are two words for sword. One of them is that long sword. But the other one is there's actually a better translation, I think, which is dagger. So it's about 20 inches long. It is razor sharp on both sides. And this dagger was meant to be used in hand-to-hand -hand combat, close combat. So it was meant to be used when the enemy is all up in your face. And how many of you have felt that maybe even in the last week, the enemy's been all up in your face? When the battle gets personal, when it's your job, when it's your family, when it's your health, when it's your marriage, when the enemy is all up in your face and it gets personal, there's a dagger that is uniquely made for that battle that you're fighting. And that brings a whole entirely new perspective to why you take it up or pick it up as needed. Now, I got to tell you, this week... I had a rough week. It was a rough week. Uncharacteristically, I was feeling sorry for myself, loneliness, insignificance, depression, anxiety. I mean, I got hit with it all. Probably by Wednesday or Thursday, I think I was just, you know, I, I was on the phone with a friend and, I, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't know why I'm weepy. And so what I ended up doing was, because sometimes when something's kind of uncharacteristically me, I just, I just start to attack it. And so I felt the Lord say in my spirit, um, I'm going to give you some names of some people. Just text them. And I started texting people and just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. Maybe you got a text, you know. But just as the Lord put on my heart, not, not people who were particularly like in my close friend circle, just people the Lord put on my heart. And I started getting back a story of this week. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm feeling insignificant. And I started to think that, man, the enemy is getting super personal right now. Because, you know, there is a global enemy is trying to destroy the work of God in the world. And then there's times when it's a personal. You don't have any friends. You are lonely. No one is thinking about you. If you lose your job right now, you'll be sunk. And as I started to go through the week, just the weight of that was on my mind as I was getting ready for this message. And I was like, man, Lord, people need the dagger. This is getting personal. You know, there's a statistic that was recently released that I found really shocking. The census came out, and I think 75,000 people, some census, it was the U.S. Census Bureau. 75,000 people responded to certain specific questions about feeling depressed and anxiety in a week, more than once. 48% of Americans in any given week are feeling hopeless, anxiety-ridden, and depressed. That is a huge statistic. Here's what's really super troubling about this, and this is what just wrecked my heart when I read it. The highest demographic was 18 to 29-year-olds, 
Over half of our young people in the nation on a weekly basis are feeling depressed, anxiety-ridden, hopeless. I think, it's start, I think it's time to start talking about when the battle gets personal. Because if you were to ask them, that battle feels very personal to them. So I think this scripture, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I want to add, when the enemy is all up in your face and it's personal. Now, why is it the sword of the spirit and not anything else? Well, if we look at the second half, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. If you're in our chat rooms, I just want you to write that out. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. The author of the word is the Holy Spirit. The interpreter of the word is the Holy Spirit. The one who inspires us in the word is the Holy Spirit. And that is why the sword, which is the word of God, is the sword of the one who is the author of that word. It's the sword of the spirit. And that makes sense to me because the spirit gives utterance. The Spirit inspired men to go, oh, I should write that down. I should write a letter to the Philippians while I'm in prison. I should write about that time I spent with Jesus. And the Spirit inspired people and they wrote it down. And that's why it's his sword. It's a great story. I want to talk to you a little bit about the word. Now, in scripture, there are three words. I'm like, is that three? I just want to make sure I wasn't. Three words <laughs> for word. Only one of them is used in this passage. The first word is graphe. Graphe is the written word. It is often referred to as the holy scriptures. It is the Bible. It is the words that tell the story of God and creation and his interaction with man and Jesus and redemption and holiness and faith. It is the words that tell that story. This is the graphe. And if all you did was have that graphe and it's sitting on your coffee table, they're words that are honorable and they're words that are holy and set apart. But it's probably not going to help you when the enemy is all up in your face. The graphe tells the story in written form. The second word for word is logos. Now the logos is the living word. It is the embodiment of what is written down. I want to give you a good example. So the logos is the logic. You hear the word logic in that. It is the reasoning the thought behind and the intention of this written word fulfilled. So here's the deal. Today is my 34th wedding anniversary. And I had a card. And I wanted to write some words on that card. But what I had to wrap my head around was what I was thinking about my sweet husband of 34 years. And I needed to find words to write it down. So... So the logos, the graphe would have been what ended up on the card. The logos is what was swirling around in my head 
and in my heart. That was the logos of that anniversary card. I wanted to tell him how patient he is and how sweet and how I think about him all the time. And, you know, I wanted to get all of that out into the graphe words. But that is the logos. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word logos. Right? It also says the word logos became flesh and dwelt among us. So in the beginning was this thought, this intention, this reasoning, this 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 all-encompassed godness, and Jesus became the fulfillment in the flesh of all that God was trying to communicate. He became the living logos. Getting more revelation here. He was the living logos. He was that manifested revelatory communication from God about this is about me and this is what I want you to know and understand. The logos. The logos is so important. But that's not what's used in this scripture. The word, the third word for word in the scripture is rhema. Now, rhema is a spoken word by the living voice. It is a declared, it is an activated, it is a working word. It is a verb word. It is rhema. It is the rhema. It is going forth and it is doing something. The interesting thing about rhema which is very similar to the interesting thing about the sword, is that the rhema is personal. And when things get personal, you need a personal word. There's a great story in the Bible about Jesus being tempted by Satan in the wilderness when he was at his weakest point, not having eaten. The enemy came to tempt him. And how many of you want to know that for Jesus, it got really personal? And Jesus says to the enemy when he's, the enemy's like, I know you're hungry. You're really hungry. You should eat. Here, why don't you just, you can. Why don't you just, you know, make these stones into bread? And Jesus turns and says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word, rhema, that proceeds from the mouth of God, but by every rhema that is declared out of the mouth of God. And the way that the living word fought the enemy all up in his face was with the rhema word. So the living word used the rhema word because you can't have a rhema word without the logos. Let that sink in. Jesus, the, the word who became flesh, still had to use the rhema word to get the enemy to retreat. Jesus actually talks about this. He says in John 6, verse 63, he says, the words that I speak to you so in other words, the words, the rhema that I am speaking to you, he says they're spirit, because the sword is spirit, and they are life. 
So Jesus refers to that. He's like, hey, everybody, there's all kinds of words. There's words, words, words. You can ask people their opinion. Oh, my gosh, are we living in a world of opinion like never before? I mean, sometimes I long for the days of Jesus when it took me at least six weeks to get your opinion on paper. Maybe we should have like an out away message on our email. I'm sorry, I'm going back to 8020 and I'm just going to read my email every six weeks. So it'll take a little time for your opinion to get to me. But we are living in a world that is all kinds of opinion. It is your thought. It is your opinion, it is that opinion, and some of those are what we call qualified opinions. They are called expert opinions. But when you are in a spiritual battle, you don't need an expert opinion. You need a spiritual opinion. You need a spirit-inspired opinion. And Jesus says that the words that I give to you, they are spirit-inspired and they are life. So we are instructed by Jesus to pick up that sword. And sometimes when you're in, when you find yourself in circumstances, and they don't need to be circumstances that are dire, they can be simple everyday circumstances. And there's a story in the Bible, I believe it's in Luke 5, 5, and it says that the disciples had been fishing all night. They hadn't caught a thing. So the history had told them that it wasn't a good fishing day. The circumstances were telling them that there was no fish they don't fish, they don't eat. So a lot relied on them catching fish in that day. So Jesus was preaching, and when he got done preaching, he looked at them and he said, hey, go out and throw your nets in the water. Now history and their circumstances and everything about that moment told them that this was not a possibility. But the rhema word makes impossible things possible. It's so one of the things it does. The rhema word makes impossible things possible. So it says that one of the disciples turned to him and said, Master, um, we've been fishing all night. I love it when we tell God things he already knows. <laughs> I do that all the time. Just so that you know, just so that you know, I've been fishing all night. We haven't caught a thing. But because of your word, rhema, I'm going to paddle my boat back out and throw my net in one more time. And it says that the, the cat, catch of fish almost broke the net. So because of your word, I'm going to ignite my faith and I'm going to go ahead and do something that doesn't seem very possible because my experience right now is telling me that it's not. I love that story. Because of the rhema that I've received from you, I think I can take one more step into the impossibilities of my life and watch them become possible. I have a fun little story this week because usually when I'm teaching a message or about to teach a message, something happens. And when I'm asking the Lord, what happened this week to help me just give you a little story? Because I like to tell stories. Just give you a little story that will help bring this home between the logos and the rhema. So I was speaking at a, at a conference, and one of the, the young women who I just adored speaking, she was a snake expert. A snake expert. How do you become a snake expert? I don't want to know. 
don't want to know. So she gets up in the very beginning of this conference and she says, at some point, I'm going to help you deal with your fear. I would like everybody to hold the snake. Now, at that moment, if you guys know me, if anyone who knows me, if you're in my circle, you know that I have some isms. You know that I, <laughs> Haley's laughing over here because I'm like, yeah, that dog ain't going to hunt. Like I have some isms. You can't build a roof in a rainstorm. And I have one that says, you know what? You just got to wear it like you meant it. When you show up at church with two wrong shoes or two mismatched earrings, you know what you got to do? You got to wear it like you meant it. And so I have a lot of isms that I say all the time. Well, one of them that I say is always be first on the dance floor. And what I mean by that is, if you're shy about dancing, and you're just like, oh my gosh, there's going to be dancing, and I hate to dance, and be first on the dance floor. When that music starts, get up. You know why? Because then no one will notice. But if you sit there, and you him, and you ah, and you go, ah, then pretty soon people notice that you're not dancing, and then they're like, oh, come on, come on, come on, and then you're, no, no, then you're embarrassed, then you're turning red, now everyone's watching, and now, if you're like me, I'm not, it feels like failure if I get on the dance floor because now it's you against me and it's a competition and I'm not actually going to do it. So then you end up sitting there all night not having fun. So one of the Juliisms is always be first on the dance floor. It's right next to always be nice to the receptionist because she is the one that's going to open the door for you to get anywhere in that building. So if you're in sales, that was free. So, always be first on the dance floor. So I'm sitting there, and this girl has this very big bag. And she says, at some point, we're going to talk about fear. And I want everyone to touch, hold the snake. So she says a few other things. She says, I have had the snake for X amount of years. I have trained the snake. Is that a thing in my brain, I ask? training a snake. I can imagine you with little bits of a mouse or something going, sit, <laughs> sit. Oh, good job. <laughs> good job, snake. You know, come. So she's apparently trained the snake and she goes around and she does these birthday parties where she talks to little kids and stuff about fear and they pet the snake. They touch these snakes and bearded dragons. It's just, it's, it's marvelous. It's magnificent. So in my brain, I'm looking around this room and I'm like, always be first on the dance floor. So before anyone's looking, she gets off the stage, she walks to the back, I get out of my seat, I follow her and I go, put the snake on me. Put it on me. Put it on me, put it on me, put it on me. Put the snake on me. And she goes, you really wanna wear it? And I'm like, yeah, put the snake on me right now. And so she takes this 16 pound, we have a picture, 16 pound, I think it was a ball python, and she wraps it around my neck. I go, here, let me stand by my book poster. And she wraps it around my neck. 16 pounds of snake. And when she wraps it around my neck, I, I'm smiling in that picture, but inside I'm like, dear God, God, it's squeezing me. It starts to squeeze. I think that's what pythons do. I, in my brain, I'm like, I should have paid more attention in science. Is it a squeezer or is it a biter? It's not shaking its tail. So I really think it's just going to squeeze me around the neck. But I, you know, we all practice. We all practice our, our smile on Instagram. 
right angle, smile, take the picture, get the snake off me. So then, so then it was true. Throughout the weekend, there were people that were just so afraid. She actually called them on stage, and then they had to do it in front of everybody. Always be first to hold the snake, people. But here's the deal. Somebody asked me, we were having a conversation, and somebody said, I am so afraid of snakes. I said, yeah, I am too. And they said, how are you able to do that? And I said, I chose to believe her. What do you mean? I said, well, she said she trained the snake. She said the snake was nice and friendly and didn't mind hanging around the necks of strangers. I chose to believe her. I chose to believe what she was saying, that the snake was safe. And because I chose to believe her, I forced myself, as Lindsay said last week, to direct my thoughts in that way. And so I could say, okay, I believe you. And if I believe you, then that snake's not going to be dangerous to me. Go ahead and put it on my neck. I want to activate my faith based on the words that you spoke to me because no one else had that snake on my neck. I would have said, if it was someone else putting it on, if it was Haley or Mike or somebody else, I would have said, yeah, no, she says the snake is safe. Go ahead, put it on your neck. And I wouldn't have thought twice about whether I believed her or not. I would just want to see the snake on your neck. But because it's very personal, I had to decide if I believed her or not before I was ready to activate my faith based on her words. So Rayma that creates an activation in your life that allows you to do things that were previously impossible. I have never put a snake around my neck because I am afraid of snakes. But because I chose to believe her words, I was able to activate that faith in that word and let her put a 16-pound python around my neck. Now, I know that that is a very simplistic way to explain what I'm talking about. But in a sense, you will always have a picture of a snake on your neck. Sometimes you feel like there's a snake slithering around <laughs> and you're afraid of snakes. I want to tell you, you got to decide what you believe about the logos. And you got to ask God for a personal revelation and a word to become rhema. And you will see yourself be able to activate that word and you will see things accomplished that you never thought were possible. Now, the rhema word is also very creative. Because the Bible says that all things were created by the word, the rhema of God. So as he spoke, as he spoke into existence creation, that rhema word went forth and it created things that were not previously there. So when the enemy is all up in your face and he says, your marriage is over. You have no love. This guy is never going to change. You have been married to him for X amount of years and there doesn't seem to be one glimmer of hope. You have no substance with which to work for towards a happy marriage. The rhema word says, doesn't matter. I'll create it. Oh, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. Romans 10.7 says that faith comes by hearing, and that process of hearing comes by the word, the rhema of God. So rhema and faith are connected. See? That, that inspired, delivered, declared word of God for your personal circumstance is related to the faith that is related to your ability to walk. 
in impossible situations. I'm going to call James out here right now. You might, be, you might have had a bad week. I know a lot of you did. Thanks for being honest. It was a tough week. Maybe it's been a tough month. Maybe it's been a tough year. And the enemy's all up in your face. I just want to tell you right now, you have what you need to battle the enemy when he's in hand-to-hand combat, when he's in your life. You have what you need for this battle. It is specific to you. It is spoken by the Holy Spirit. It is empowered by the logos and the truth of God. You have what you need. You can get through this. I promise you. Romans 10.8 says the word, the rhema, is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. And the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as we plant that Logos word in our heart, that living, active word in our heart, our mouth is going to speak out rhema. And it's not only going to speak out rhema for us, it's going to speak it out for others. So when others call you up and they say, hey, Julie, well, they're not going to say Julie because that's not your name. They're going to say your name. So, hey, what, hey, your name. <laughs> I just lost my job. That rhema is so near you. You're going to be able to turn around and go, gosh, I'm so sorry. But this I know. God is a good, good father, and he's going to provide for you. And you will not go without because he's got all the riches of heaven and I'm speaking this rhema word to your heart right now when somebody calls you up and they say hey I'm lonely I feel super insignificant you're going to say hey this is what I know that God loves you with an everlasting love that before you were formed in the womb he knew you that he never leaves you or forsakes you that he will never change his mind about you That rhema is in your mouth and it's in your heart. So I want to say, I wish I could tell all of you that the battle's not going to be personal. But it was personal for Jesus. (laughs) I think it gets personal sometimes. But when it does, he hasn't left us without weapons. He didn't send us into a fight with weapons that don't work. He sent us us into this battle with the very weapon that will remind the enemy that he is not only defeated, but he is powerless. Because all we got to do is look at him and say, hey, devil, it is written. He has no comeback. The sword is the only thing in the armor that is 100% offense. And the best defense is a good offense. And I don't know who said that, so I will take credit for it. If you need a rhema word, 
I'm going to pray right now, and we're going to do something super fun. Haley and her prayer team are so ready. So I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to ask God to give you a rhema word for your situation. And then what I would love you to do is I would like you to text that word to pray that word with pray 111. So pray 111 to 94090. Pray 111 to 94090. And with that word, someone is going to pray and agree with you on your rhema word. So let's pray. God, right now, I just release, I release the rhema word of God over every single person that is listening in this moment and in future moments, God. God, I thank you for the rhema word, the living, active, declared, empowered word. I ask right now as people have their eyes closed, even where they're at all over, their heads are bowed, and they're thinking about that situation in their life that really needs life. And they're feeling a little beat up and the enemy's all in their face. And I thank you, God, for that rhema word right now in Jesus' name that just rises up in their spirit. Don't doubt. There's a rhema word that God is speaking to you right now. I know it is. Don't doubt. And I thank you, God, for that. I ask your blessing upon it. God, I love that you watch over your word to perform it and that it always accomplishes everything it's set forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to tell you something right now before we go. Pick up your sword. Pick up your sword. I know you're tired. I know the battle seems fierce and I know the enemy seems close. Pick up your sword because your victory has already been won. God bless you guys. I pray that you have a glorious, victorious week.